0: Tired. So tired. Over-tired.
1: Hello, I am Brett Terpstra. You are listening to Overtired. I it was in tr- a, a tribute Hello. to to the Queen. I just oh, I figured I see. I see. I figure right, I do a, Mo- a Monty Python <laughs> a Monty Python tribute to the to the Queen, um, and I'm waving silently. In her yeah, very slowly, <laughs> silently, exactly. So anyway, I'm, I'm Brett Terpstra. You're listening to Overtired. I'm here, as always, with Jeff Severns, Gunsel. Uh Christina Warren has the week off. She got her vaccine and is recovering uh, from a couple nights of insomnia that I think we can all relate to. We have a special guest this week. We are mm-hmm. joined by Rabbi Eric Linder out of Athens, Georgia, home of R.E.M., How's it going, Eric? It's good. Thanks
2: for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's good to and I'm I'm meeting you for the first time. I've heard you on Brett's podcast, but
2: Yeah, and, and nice to meet you, Jeff. It. I and uh and the B52s and Klezmer Local oh, my. 42. God, my
0: B52s. Yes. Eric is in
1: a band called Klezmer Local. Is it 42 or 52? 42. What does the forty-two refer to?
2: It's just the uh, the lead of the band wanted a name that sounded like a labor union, so he just. <laughs> <laughs> what was the band Thinking Fellers
0: Union uh, back from the nineties? There was another street, band that had a good Street game. Sweepers. Oh, I don't know. No. Wow, that's a great name. It's a great name.
2: <laughs> oh, I have and a also, I have a I have a note uh, filled with band titles like Oh man, oh yeah, yeah. I, I have like hardest. dozens, dozens. That is the hardest, that's the hardest part thing of a band. in the
0: world. That's like it's amazing any band survives naming right. itself. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I had a band in high school that was called Moon Man Otto, which Ooh. isn't a horrible name, but it it came about because we had spent weeks arguing over what we should call our band. And eventually <laughs> we had a chemistry book, and the authors of the book were Moon, Man and Otto. And we're like, fuck it, we're that's that's our just, name. It's we're like an gonna, academic paper reference. <laughs> man with two, man with two ends, and we kept that. We kept it like nice. straight up Moonman Otto.
0: That's amazing. That's good. Like, uh, um, my wife and I were were reminiscing of the the heyday of the very long band name, like, um, I love you, but I have chosen darkness. Or there was a band in which is an amazing name. There was a band in Minneapolis called seagulls screaming kiss her kiss her <laughs> or godspeed you black emperor uh, that's godspeed, the one i was just emperor. thinking of yeah perfect yeah i mean I like felt,
1: i fell asleep at that show
0: <laughs> well that's actually nice sleeping music in my, it, in my it opinion it is it is <laughs> i
1: got those uh the the seats at front row behind the glass up by the bar Ooh, yeah uh, what did i did i just say it first half? Yeah. Yeah. Did I say first stab? that that sounded weird in my head? You didn't uh, say a club, I don't think, but I could be tired I, at first stab, up uh, behind the plexiglass uh, on the on the se- on the balcony level. Yeah. Um, and I just sat there in a bar stool and fell asleep and <laughs> it was a pleasant nap. I, I can't I, complain. I like I, I like Godspeed. just
0: boring. The, the idea of like napping at shows is really, we've really missed a chance culturally <laughs> to make that a norm. Like, I just feel like I've fallen asleep. I love going to see classical music and I will often fall asleep at some point. And it's the nicest little nap in the world. <laughs> An expensive one, but a super expensive. Well, I'm awake for most of it, you know, right? but. They always play a couple things you didn't come for, you know. Like right. any band,
1: it's ple- it's pleasant to wake up and realize you're in the middle of a, a show you wanted to see. It's a it's a great way to wake up. That
0: is Max Richter has a the, uh, the composer has an album called Sleep. That's a that's the actual composition is like 24 hours long, and every oh, yeah. couple of years yeah, it's yeah. performed. And the idea is you do go and you sleep to it, um, <laughs> which is just like awesome.
2: I feel like it's in <laughs> um, an app. Literally called sleep. I I could be wrong. There is
0: actually an app for it. Yeah, totally. I
1: think we need to add this to the show notes. Max Richter.
0: Max Richter, sleep. Yeah. I mean, I actually was just, I just took a uh, late morning nap to it because I was feeling a little under the weather. It's my (laughs) napping, totally my napping music. Anyway, Eric. People who have listened to Brett's podcast have have met you before, but I was wondering if you could kind of introduce yourself.
2: Surely, yeah. So uh, I'm a rabbi in Athens, Georgia. I've been here 10 years. Uh... Decided to be a rabbi. The, the joke I tell people is when I realized I would not be the saxophonist for James Brown, I decided to be a rabbi. But uh, so binary, right? It was one or the other. No, nothing else. Uh, I started college as a music major on saxophone, and okay. um, you know, I grew up what I'll call fairly mainline Reform Judaism. So, Reformed Judaism is a is a denomination of Judaism that uh, leans more to the liberal side. And mm-hmm. I was active in youth group and I, I, I made friends in Hebrew school. I went to undergrad at University of Florida and got involved in some Jewish activities there with Hillel and other things like that. But it was really when I went to a summer camp, which is actually just about an hour from Athens in near a small town called Helen, Georgia. Have either of you been there by chance? No. It's a weird little town it's a very touristy it's like a it looks like a bulgarian dollhouse has come to life and you're walking around in it <laughs> awesome like google pictures of helen georgia you okay see what i mean okay. um and lots of like fudge places and funnel cakes and like that yeah kind of okay
0: i get it i get yeah. it I'm starting The picture starting to form there
2: you go <laughs> um and so there's a jewish summer camp uh very close to there that i went to as a counselor and that kind of Started this journey for me, and now I've been a rabbi sixteen years. I think
0: um, sixteen years.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, started in Omaha, Nebraska, at a synagogue there. Had a wonderful no experience.
0: I, I have uh, most of my working life is spent in Omaha.
2: <laughs> oh, funny. So you uh, yeah. where in where in Omaha? Oh, right. I mean, right in the heart of it. I was uh in Dundee. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and
2: still have lots of good friends there, and uh, keep in touch with folks. And then I moved here to Athens and like two weeks after I moved here, I met the woman that would be my wife, which is hysterical because I, Athens is the smallest Jewish community I've ever lived in. So like, it it, it is, I mean, I I went to rabbinical school in New York, New York city. And then Omaha has about 5,000 Jews. And then Athens, nobody, if you don't count students, it's probably 500 or so. I mean, nobody really knows, of course. And you know I had this vision of being on J date and like driving to Atlanta, you know, <laughs> once or twice a week, going on these blind dates, and was not excited about that prospect. And you know I met Emily uh, through a congregant at a retirement party, and now we have two kids, and that that's it. Man. Was that awesome? Was it
1: one of those you, you need to meet my my neighbor or my daughter kind of No, like they...
2: she walked into this party and I was and I asked um the person who retired his wife, I said, Lauren, do you know who this woman is? She said, <laughs> Yes, and she's recently single and Jewish. And stereotypically, my wife does not present as looking Jewish. She's tall, mm. blonde hair, blue eyes. So um Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you're like, yes,
0: okay, yes. I know, Right. <laughs> the signals were not there, but now I know.
2: <laughs> where in, Where did you go to school in New York? It's so it's called Hebrew Union College. Is okay. the seminary, and it's right by NYU downtown, Fourth and Broadway. For folks my uh, My
0: wife went to Union Theological Seminary up near Columbia.
2: Oh, sure.
0: And uh, And took some classes across the street. Um, at the what What is the school across the street? JTS. The, it's the it's JTS. Yeah, yeah, Jewish Theological. So seminary.
2: what did what did she take there? Like, what kind of stuff? She,
0: um, well, she was studying theologies of evil, and uh, and also oh. feminist theology. She's like, she likes to party, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's like my wife's specialty is PTSD and sexual trauma. It's like, you know, See, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It's so I can picture already the books that lay around the house. Like that was I remember when she we had our first child living in New York City when she was still in school. And, um, and, and it was almost like he was waiting for her to finish this paper on evil. It was just literally just a paper on evil. And, um, and she had a book laying around that just the biggest word you could see on it was just evil, you know, <laughs> and she's like waiting for this baby to come. And it was like, as soon as she handed in that paper, she started going into labor. And within hours, we were in a taxi <laughs> going to the hospital. It was like, just oh, needed wow. that, that evil paper. to that's get That's right. Just get but it I, out. Get it you out. You don't want to bring that into the whole
2: <laughs> <No>. labor process.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, yep. that's awesome.
2: Yeah, theodicy is one of my favorite 10-cent words. That's a good 10-cent word. That's a 25-cent word. But you, Okay, so you're a rabbi, and
0: I'm looking at you, and, and like Brett, you have framed black and white pictures and musical instruments behind you. Yes. Um, so can you tell, tell me, tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So, you know, music has always been huge for me. I, I I, honest to God remember when I was in sixth grade and going to like the some open house for people interested in band. And I picked out the saxophone purely because it had a lot of buttons. And I just I like the <laughs> mechanics of it. Yeah. And um I've always found joy in listening to music, learning about music, certainly playing it. Uh, It's a huge part of what draws me to Judaism, what both drew me in and in terms of, I guess, how I present Judaism, if that makes sense, you know, through music and and through musical teachings. Um, So, yeah, I have this studio in my basement. It's it's as my wife likes to make fun. It's one of my man caves that she's allowed me. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's a lot of fun down here. A lot of electronic keyboards and drums and and stuff like that.
0: What's the other cave?
2: So the other cave, study. Is, yeah. Well, so next to it is well, it, it could be my study. It's 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 become a bourbon room, my- just to my <laughs> left. That uh, awesome. that's it, it's the combination of pandemic and children. Yeah, Somehow yeah. Start started <laughs> that, um, and then I have a a whole video game. Well, it's it's the general playroom, but
0: um. All right, hold yeah. on. Let's just let's talk about that. Let's talk about the video game room. Wait, I
1: want to I want to point out one thing because nobody can see it but the lighting in the man cave you're currently in with all the musical instruments you got some like maybe sconce lighting going on it's gorgeous you have so, the best lit it's man true, it's cave true. i've ever seen it's
2: funny that you say that brett because it's because a lot of bulbs are they're all br30 like floodlights <laughs> but literally there's only three on because they're all burnt out the electrician was here last week and like, you know beautiful. this is like Speaking of like stereotypical Jewish guy that doesn't know anything about, you know, electronics. I have the electrician here thinking like it's some complicated mistake with wiring. He's like, yeah, these bulbs are bad. Oh, right. Thanks. Here's $150 to tell me that. Thank you.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. And a little bourbon. That's right. That's incredible. Okay. So you have a a video game room. It is. is, How old are your kids? Two and a half and six months. Okay, so this is truly your video game room. Let's hear about it. <laughs> but it that's will be theirs. It
2: will, oh, sure, of course. There's that's a why, legacy yeah, involved. A, it's, a,
0: it's under that that you uh, build it, right? Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I build this future for my children. Um, so what's the what's what's what would I see if I walk in there?
2: Oh yeah, I mean Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing with uh, you know about the Philips Hue bulbs. Yes. So I have a sync box. So if I'm really feeling geeky, I can sync the lights to the TV and the games. Nice,
0: and... nice. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Do you have the? Do you have the
0: PlayStation Five? Or I do. You have... I do. Me too. But nobody oh, else. It's I know, like My my poor teenagers are like, I want to play with people on this thing, but nobody has it. <laughs> Yeah, so
2: we're we're in Jeff.
0: Let let we'll yeah, let's to... do it. You got to get yeah. you got lucky. Got lucky. Um, do you do any? Do you mess with any vintage video game stuff? L- like, like like retro, retro gaming? Ca- either just like oh, yeah yeah. Any, so I, any interpretation of that?
2: Yeah. So I have emulators. I actually have yeah. an arcade cabinet that I I got from yeah. myself. Um
0: a yeah. question. It was some right sort there.
2: of. It was do either a birthday gift arcade or something. Cabinet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I um hold on, I'm gonna pre- grab something.
2: Yeah, tell me everything.
1: It's while while he's running off, have you seen the GoV lighting stuff? No, it's super affordable compared to Hue, and you can like hook it up to a microphone and have like rope lights and and backlights all like dance to music. It's actually really good. I
0: would V E E.
2: Okay, look mm. look it up.
0: So I built this for my kids, out of a what? like ancient electronics project box uh, that I got at this amazing surplus store called Axeman in town. And everybody, I'm just holding up like kind of a joy. It's a joystick with a bunch of bunch of buttons, and it, actually it looks like has a Street
2: a, Fighter. Uh, yeah, it has set. that look, and it
0: has like a seven inch screen that uh, is actually normally hooked up to it, but I'm
2: upgrading it
0: <laughs> to a ten inch. Uh, no, I'm upgrading <laughs> the electronics inside and, ah. and putting speakers in and stuff. So is it a Raspberry <laughs> Pi? or? Yeah, it has a Raspberry Pi in it. I'm nice. totally obsessed um, with them.
2: Anyway, well, you have a lot of fun rooms in your house. Um, that's great. Yes. Which so that's something really else amazing. that right when I got here, um, met now a very dear friend who's the one of the uh, heads of our band and found out I played sax and I sat in with the band and and it's great because there's obviously overlap culturally with Judaism, but you know, a lot of congregants come to our shows and it's just a nice way to integrate with the community and, and be involved in the music scene and all that stuff.
0: That's awesome.
2: So how did you and Brett meet? We met because I annoyed him on Twitter, I think. I just yeah, had deep, right. like omnifocus questions, you automation. Hired, you, yeah, you hired me. Apple script. Like you awesome. you
1: you hired me as a consultant for some of your crazier scripting stuff and eventually like it got to a point where I was like attending your temple services and I wasn't charging
2: (laughs) you. Yeah, Jeff, be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think I was asking you all these questions and you were so nice and responding. And I just, I was like, you know what, rather than like one at a time and, you know, annoying you at all hours, can I hire you for an hour? Yeah. You know, pay you for this expertise.
0: I basically did the same thing.
1: <laughs> that is the way you worm your way into Brett's life is, uh, yeah, that's, that's how you end up paid, on his podcast consultation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I also like the idea that AppleScript is like the gateway to converting to Judaism. Like, I mean, you all know how that, someone says they're doing Apple script. You know what they mean? The way, there's a band title in there somewhere. It'll, yeah, that's right. That's going right. back. Well, should we do uh, should we do our mental health corner? Yeah, uh,
1: let's 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 do that and then we'll we'll hit a sponsor and then, and then I kind of want to talk about
0: like an atheist attending temple. Perfect. Sounds good. Um it's a and it doesn't have to be how is your mental health? It can be a mental health check-in of any sort. Uh you you want to start are you, are you feeling are you feeling really brave,
2: Eric? I mean, I I could start. I, I've listened to you all <laughs> a few times. I I uh um I have a sense of what's happening even Regardless of my mental health, um, so we're actually it's a we're actually in a, a super interesting time in the Jewish calendar. Um, we're right before our Jewish high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah actually starts Sunday, and the month prior to Rosh Hashanah, it's called Elul, is meant as a time for introspection and really kind of thinking about your life and your priorities and. What a lot of people do, myself included, is try and have either a meditation or a reading for Every Day of Elul that either focuses on an aspect of introspection or forgiveness, which is another huge theme. And so in many ways, mental health, you know, in kind of capital letters, is what this month is about. Um, At the... As a rabbi, though, I don't know that my mental health is as balanced as Judaism kind of would want it to be because I'm, you know, I'm trying to promote. It's like a physician heal thyself kind of situation where I'm you know, <laughs> giving it to the congregation, hopefully, but not necessarily always taking it for myself. And so I've really been, especially as Rosh Hashanah comes closer and closer, I've really tried to kind of take those themes to heart. Um, and it's different with kids, too. Like just thinking Mm. about time and how, you know, we're, we're always in a rush to get to the next thing, or certainly I am. And like my two and a half year old, if he wants to jump, doesn't matter that dad has an appointment or, you know, or it's lunchtime or whatever. So, um, (laughs) that, that's kind of, uh, where I am and what I've been thinking about in terms of uh, mental health lately. Yeah. It's nice. Nice to have a framework. (laughs) it is. And the other thing too, is like without a framework, people don't do it. Like that's why there's apps. That's why there's like all of these methodologies because we, it it helps.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's funny. You mentioned the kids. Like I, so I have two teenage boys. Um, but when I, when the first one was born, I remember having this just in those hours after having this distinct feeling that I could see further, and, and, uh, and almost like this opening of a, of a void or something like void sounds like a negative connotation, but like, I felt like I could see further beyond just whatever kind of short sightedness I had been living my, my life with up until having a child. Right. But then I have really heard, I have quickly, heard that description. Yeah. but really quickly it becomes, you can't see past your fucking nose, right? <laughs> like, like <laughs> and I think that's such a funny, such a funny ju- juxtaposition. Absolutely.
2: That's a great, Yeah. Like
1: it'll never happen to me. I've taken surgical uh, precautions to ensure that I never become a father. But when I hear people talk about like the perspective change that happens when you have a kid, uh, like I find myself very curious. Like I've always considered myself too selfish to have children. Um, I am too obsessed with like figuring out my own life that I, I don't feel qualified to um, inflict my, uh, insecurities, I guess, uh, my, my lack of direction onto another life form. Uh, but the response I get from people who are happy parents is often like, none of that matters. Once you have the kid, like everything changes, your, your perspective changes, your, you what you thought was selfishness then gets directed towards a new life form. I, I've, that's curious. I believe that could be uh, a situation. Yeah, I, ten I, years
0: of ten years of high triage will definitely <laughs> knock <laughs> the selfishness
2: out of you. And, and to flip it too, I mean, I think there is a not in a negative way. I, I have a whole thing on selfishness gets a bad rap sometimes, mm-hmm. but um, in in a way, it, your children is an extension of your of yourself. So it 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 almost. It, like it's selfishness in that way too. Like they are mm-hmm. a part of you. So it's not like you're giving up something to be with them. Like it, it's it, like, it's the same thing in a way. That's
0: a nice way to put it. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, having kids can also be the ultimate selfish act, right?
2: Like <laughs> I mean yeah, I mean like look at you know overpopulation and the planet and the world. I mean I, right, you know, I, right. I don't I don't want our well, mental health to now go down thinking of like it, you know if yeah.
1: if you want a list of all the reasons not to have kids, we can do that.
0: Absolutely it's very <laughs> <right>. easy. Very <laughs> too late for me. Um uh I can I can go. I you know, I um I am just uh, really benefiting from, uh, probably my eighth or ninth week with a new therapist. And, um, after having one for the same therapist, probably three years, she retired. And I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, um, it is an incredible thing to generally in life. It's an incredible thing to watch a good professional do what they do, but it's a really incredible thing to be held by the sort of skills of a professional in the case of therapy in a way that um that uh that i in in this case i just i'm noticing after years after decades of kind of circling around some of the same things all of a sudden i feel like i'm standing somewhere different with those things i'm not i haven't healed from any issues not that healing is a final state right but like but um but i've just been so grateful uh, to have this particular therapist at this particular time in my life. And, um, and is a great argument for why, why we try so hard to find the right therapist in the first place, cause it doesn't always work. Um, I've had to, you know, I've had to let one go before, but, but it just is an amazing thing. Now that said, she only does, uh, online therapy. And I realized that after eight weeks or so, it is strange. To not have been in a physical space with a person that you've shared this much with, you know.
2: My therapist um, is online as well, and that's yeah. the only way I know him. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and like she's technically savvy. Thank God, my my retired uh, therapist. The first probably four to six appointments of COVID. I was doing tech support for 20 minutes of the hour <laughs> and I was not actually in a good place. So I was just like, can we, can you figure this out some other fucking time? Oh my God. I <laughs> can so you see out. that. Uh, you know, she's like, well, I'm just not hearing it now. And I'm, oh, and then she got a kitten at the same time and the kitten was jumping on. It was just like, it was insane. Anyway, just grateful for that. And, and as always recommending you know, if you feel like you've never been to therapy or like it's been too long, uh, it's so worth it's so worth looking into it and trying to find a match. So,
1: ooh, I can follow me. that up. All right. Hit me. So, OK, my I, I recently got a new therapist. I got a therapist. This is my first real therapist. Okay. Um, and if you had talked to me last week after my weekly like right now, I'm I'm going every week. Um, and if you had talked to me last week, I would have been a lot more skeptical because I went to see him in person. Like I have the option to do either telehealth or in-person visits. So I was like, I'm going to try it in person. And I showed up and the session ended up being like, mostly we talked about like, uh, media, uh, our favorite movies and uh, Neil Gaiman and adaptations of, of comic books into movies. And it was an intriguing conversation, but it's not what I ever thought therapy would be about. And, and he was like, yeah, no, it's good to just, you know, establish a, a personal base uh, like groundwork, uh, to get to know each other. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to let this one go. I'll, I'll pay for a, a, uh, a shoot the shit session with this guy. And, and we'll see what happens. And then this week, uh, I went back to telehealth just due to schedule and holy shit. Like we, I learned so much this week, like my therapist, he, 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 he likes to explain things. Um, like I expected to spend a lot more time talking about myself, um, and have him nod and write in a notebook, uh, just based on what I've seen of therapy and movies, um, <laughs> but he he has a lot of input on what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. and he's actually given he's younger than me, uh, he actually has a lot, especially when it comes to bipolar uh ADhD religious trauma like he he knows his shit and he proved that this last week. Um, the big takeaway for me was uh, he suggested so I quit drinking. Uh, officially two years ago had some relapses um, and I was framing them as failures. Uh, Like just the term relapse in and of itself is a loaded term. And like with heroin, I have good reason not to do heroin. Like I ruined people's lives with my heroin addiction. Hmm. Uh, Alcohol, I've never hurt anybody. Like maybe I got in a fight once when I was a teenager because um, I was drunk, but I've never hurt anybody. I've never stolen from anybody. I've never I've never even like emotionally injured as far as I know, someone because I was drunk. So I don't have this strong like, I can never drink again, it will hurt people. Uh, I just, I, I shouldn't drink again because I know I'm not super responsible with it and, and it's not healthy. Like it's, it's bad for my teeth. It's bad for my, my liver or whatever. And, uh, and so he, he wants me to attempt to reframe my relationship with alcohol and like the times that I have quote unquote relapsed, uh, I've been like, I've had a bottle of whiskey in the basement and, and I sneak it and I use some mouthwash and go about my life. Um, and maybe Don't sneak alcohol in the basement. Maybe join my girlfriend for a glass of wine when she's having a glass of wine and maybe Mm -hmm. uh, attempt to drink socially and responsibly and not, not (laughs) hide a bottle of whiskey in the basement. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a great conversation. Like I'm going to attempt a new, a new paradigm. If it doesn't work out, if it proves that I just cannot be responsible, then we look at more drastic, like, uh, complete abstinence, but it was like he he saw me in a way that like if you go to a 12 step program, uh, you you go in you just by showing up there, you're admitting you have a problem and the only option is 100% abstinence uh, and he and the way it's framed is not necessarily, uh, helpful to people that might be in more of a gray area. So it was it was enlightening. Um, I'm 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 looking forward to this reframing of my relationship with alcohol as an attempt. Maybe 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 AA is right. Maybe I don't have a a, a chance in hell of ever drinking responsibly. Maybe not. Uh, gonna find out. Gonna gonna test the waters. So. Uh, all this to say like the guy has really he proved himself to me in the last session that he sees me as a person he understands where i'm coming from and yeah i'm really looking forward to my next session with him
0: that's awesome, awesome. yeah that's, that's great that is so good yeah yeah failure i feel like it's like a good a good therapist helps at least in my case my therapists when they've been good have always been so good at stopping me when i i'm clocking myself upside the head and making well, me kind of open the fist and and yeah, you know. so
1: so he asks me what's the antonym of shame and mm. and my yeah. answer was pride like the opposite of shame is pride but he's like no it's compassion the opposite mm. of shame is compassion oh, and yeah, and i was yeah. like holy shit yeah Like the things that I have figured out, especially in relationship to my ADHD, uh, is compassion, like understanding Mm -hmm. myself in a way that lets me, uh, feel compassion for that kid, you know, like to look back and say, this is life was rough for this kid. And I feel compassion for him. He wasn't, he wasn't lazy. He wasn't a failure. He, he deserves compassion. And, and same with like religious trauma and all of the shit that I've gone through with that, uh, compassion, like that, that's kind of the, the key word from my last session is just compassion, especially self-compassion, but that translates to compassion for others. Like how can you possibly exist in the world if you paint everyone in black and white terms, good and evil? And have have no compassion for for people's stories for for where people are coming from. So that was actually I was kind of a an eye opening thing for me.
2: Yeah, and that that goes so much toward uh, Jewish teaching too, especially during this time. I mean, it really does. And again, not trying to convert anyone, uh, but just the <laughs> resonance there of you know the. the Judaism and I mean the High Holidays as a microcosm of that is all about us moving forward, and you know my wife uh, we were talking before the show she's a therapist her specialty is uh, cognitive behavioral so like your therapist Brett a lot of talking you know it's not Mm -hmm. the Freudian of like yes tell me about your (laughs) dreams and Um, how does that make you feel right exactly (laughs) but you know the the, uh, one thing that she her and I talk about all the time when I have we we. I have what we coin ennui sometimes where it's just like the middle of the day and like I'll have a few hours free and I just don't feel like doing anything and yep. or or I'll feel regret that I'm not doing anything. And yep. You know, we talk yep. about all the time that like you go down that rabbit hole where then you just feel regretful or shame. And and to use your word, when you feel compassion, you're motivated maybe to do something productive or good in the world. And that's, I mean, that's what Judaism is all about is taking mm-hmm. our quote unquote mistakes or what seem like failures or places where we didn't hit the mark and rather than beat ourselves up about it, just do better. Just mm-hmm. starting today, just do better.
1: That's mm-hmm. a bit of backstory. Um, Eric and I, uh, we started a podcast called an atheist and a rabbi, uh, something, something, I forget exactly what the title was, but Um, Eric has always accepted that I am an atheist and has never attempted to convince me that God exists, but has offered me uh, like what, what wisdom he can from a Jewish perspective. And he has invited me to temple and I have attended with like, as an atheist, I have attended temple and have learned from what Eric, uh, I don't, it's not preaching. What, what is it you do at temple?
2: I mean, if I give a preaching sermonizing, it's a sermon leading services. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's, it's, you don't have to accept God to, to take something away from, from Eric's temple or probably from most Jewish temples. Like I, I don't have a lot of experience, but like, uh, there's been a, there's been an understanding. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you have atheists in your congregation, do you not?
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, and that's not atypical in Jewish communities either. And yeah. you know the, the way the the way I frame it. I mean, I I could go on for hours about this. I, I'm not. I promise uh, <laughs> to all the listeners, this is going to be very short. But you know, if you picture a Venn diagram with religion being one circle and God being one circle, there's definitely an overlap. But they are absolutely not the same circle.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's nicely put. What's yeah. the?
2: Is it a alohim? aloheim? What's the Jewish? Word oh, Elohim? For Elohim. Elohim is is one name. There's there's many, but that's yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. yeah. I come from the Church of
0: Yahweh.
2: Right.
1: Uh huh.
2: But dude. yeah,
0: um, yeah. I truly hate to do this, but we have to read a sponsor.
1: Yes. Let's do it. We're
0: 34 minutes in. Oh, (laughs) man. But we can call it 30.
1: (laughs) So this episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Before you book any brunch, you pour over lists and lists of reviews. So why not do the same when you're booking a doctor's appointment? With ZocDoc, you can see real verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. After all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more, important than finding the right plate of eggs benedict. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. When you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. Find and review local doctors. Read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need a quality doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com slash overtired and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash overtired. ZocDoc slash
0: overtired. Thanks, ZocDoc.
2: Ding, 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 ding.
0: You know, something that I think is really amazing about finding, being able to have compassion, especially as you were talking about it, Brett, like towards like your younger, younger self is that when you can do that, when you find yourself able to have that compassion, you're also bearing witness in a way that almost nobody else could. Like if you're thinking, I've had this experience recently looking at things when I was younger and and finding some compassion for myself and understanding or kind of making room for understanding what that experience was like for me also ends up being that I serve as sort of a witness to it. Define uh, this term, person
1: define, can. define bearing witness, because for me, that's a loaded term
0: coming from a fundamentalist background. It comes from I mean, it's absolutely rooted in uh, in a theological sense. Right. Because it's the idea of bearing witness to suffering, bearing witness to, you know, what what is true about somebody um, that maybe that person can't see or a, a bearing witness to a system that is, that is doing something to people that, you know, so it really does have its roots. Cause the idea is like, if it's seen, then all that all that needs to happen can happen once it's seen. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's my sermon for the day.
2: That's a good one. <laughs> no, it is. And, you know, people forget, too, forgiving yourself is as important as forgiving others.
1: Mm-hmm. That that I have definitely learned. Like, the thing that has allowed me to move forward, um, like, getting ADHD and bipolar diagnoses were huge for me. Um, they gave me an understanding of why my life has gone the way it's gone. Um, but the process of forgiving myself, the process, like, even day to day, like like you were talking about, like you have some free time and you feel guilty about all the things you don't feel like doing. And being <laughs> able to forgive yourself, being able to find that compassion is what leads to actually doing something worthwhile. Um, and from so from like a, a grand scheme of things, forgiving childhood me to like forgiving me for not feeling like doing this, this thing that maybe needs to be done. Maybe it's just an idea that I wish I could bring to fruition, uh, but I just don't have the motivation and finding that forgiveness really leads to actual like productivity.
2: And, I'll, you know, I, I also I, I think I'm hearing my wife in my ear, too. Like, it doesn't mean anything we do is OK. And like, you know, right. just like you can do anything and you're just like, it's OK. <laughs> just forgive yourself. But don't let that mistake be kind of, you know, I use a biblical phrase uh, from the Torah, uh, be a stumbling block for the blind. Like, don't let that mistake stop you from then doing the right thing or doing better. Yeah. And, and that's really the, the key, I think,
0: that's, yeah. that's nice. which of
2: course is easier to say than to do. I mean, I, I say, you know, rabbis often write the sermons that like they need to hear. And that is sure. 100% yes. true for me. <laughs> so I, I can by tell no you, means am I like preaching to you here. <laughs> I can tell you my girlfriend
1: is a yoga instructor and she often leads the class that she needs <laughs> for her body at that time. Um, can I tell you about my weekend plans? Of course you can. Sure. So, so I've decided to start taking like foodie trips. Um, I watch enough food shows. It's become like my new porn uh, is to watch like Hulu and Netflix food shows and, (laughs) and to, to really explore (laughs) my palate. And I live in a small town. We have very few restaurant choices. We have some actually amazing sushi, considering we're in like landlocked fucking midwest um the like the we have two great sushi restaurants in a town of thirty thousand people. but we don't have much else and uh so and I have a lot of dietary restrictions, like I am sensitive to gluten and dairy. And uh, if I eat either of those things, I end up, I I pay for it. I won't go into details, but I pay for it. Um, And I have decided to take like weekend vacations where I ignore my dietary restrictions and just plan to pay for them in the next week and go to cities with like a lot of food options and just eat. And just for two days, just breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just find the best restaurants available and, and eat the food that I want to eat. I have some savings. Like I've been working a corporate job for over a year now. I've, I've saved up some cash and I feel like eating is what makes me happiest. Uh, I appreciate a good meal in a way that is almost religious and uh, so, so my first trip this weekend, uh, I leave, I leave today. I'm headed to Minneapolis. Um, I have, I have dates set up for uh, Friday dinner, Saturday lunch, Saturday dinner, Sunday breakfast, and Sunday lunch. I'm still <laughs> looking for a date for Saturday breakfast. Uh, but one of my, one of my stops will be Mr. Jeff Severns Gunselt. Uh yes. we have a we have a dinner date on Saturday. Yeah. And and I am very much looking forward to just like I basically I put it on on Twitter I'm like I- if I came to your city where would you take me? And <laughs> and I got a lot of feedback from from people that are like right, so I'm going to go to Portland. I think my next trip Ooh, is to Portland because city. because I am vegetarian. And Portland is considered the most like vegan friendly city for culinary arts in the country. And and I could go to Portland and eat like gluten free vegan the whole weekend and 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 always have great food. But um, I'm finding even Minneapolis, which is just a two hour drive for me, uh, is full of is full of options. We got
0: your vegans, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> well they they drive they they ride really tall bikes just like and in I'm, Portland. I'm,
1: I'm going to be honest. I'm willing to cheat. Like I've already decided, I'm not going to worry about gluten and dairy. I'm I'm going to pay the price for that. And when it comes to if 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 there is a Cuban pork sandwich that is calling my name, I'm going to fucking eat it. These I got weekends, one for you in
2: Athens, Georgia, bro Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm, these. These weekends are, are guilt free. Eat good food. And and good food may include meat. And I'm willing, I'm willing to cheat just on these weekends, what which will not be a regular thing. And I would always prefer to eat meat that is ethically sourced. But that said, like these weekends are a free for all for
0: me. I'll tell you where I'm taking you because you say you don't mind like in your words cheating, but if you're, (laughs) I don't want to be part of putting meat in you if it doesn't make you feel good. So there's a, there's actually a, this place called trio plant-based and it's a black run vegan soul food place. And I say black run because in this town, if it's vegan soul food, it was likely to be white up until recently. (laughs) Sure. Um, But it's just an, it is incredible. I'm not vegan. I was back in the day. I'm not vegan. I love this place. All right. I'm
1: in you're gonna love it that sounds amazing there's a there's soul veg in chicago oh, was yeah. the first first vegan soul food i ever had and it was before i was even vegan i had soul veg yeah. in chicago and was like holy shit like i love this, the vegan restaurant
0: where where i'm like oh i'll go eat there anytime i don't even yeah. think about the fact that it's vegan no yeah. offense i mean it's all you it's cool man vegan <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't you know, i I am, I I don't ride with it anymore, but so
1: I am pescatarian. I just want to be totally honest. I eat eggs and cheese. Yes. And I will eat fish. Um, so I am far from vegan. I Mm -hmm. am, I am three points away from being an actual vegan, but (laughs) given my, uh, my allergy to gluten and dairy, it's easiest to just say I'm vegan. Um, Cause that automatically excludes dairy and there's a lot of gluten-free vegan available. Um, but yes, uh, there's a, there's a breakfast joint in Minneapolis that I've forgotten. It's on the West bank earth, something earth. Uh, but they, it was the first place I ever had like a vegan
0: omelet. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. And the name is totally escaping me, but yeah, I know. And they,
1: you, you can give any name you want to. Yes. Um, and they will call it over this little loudspeaker system they have set up. And I would always give my name as You in the Bushes.
0: It's because, <laughs> hey, You in the Bushes, <laughs> uh, it's you're thinking of their dish, the like whole green earth or yeah, something, like yeah, yeah, that. exactly, um, exactly. And why I can't, you know, friend of the show Danny Glamour worked there. Oh, uh, really? That makes yeah, sense back in the day. Um, yeah, that's a good place for vegan and. Also not vegan. It, it
1: may be where I go Saturday morning,
0: sand right. Yeah. Maybe maybe we could talk Daniel into it. Um if right. I can
2: get someone to run Rosh Hashanah services, I'll I'll come to Minneapolis. You'll come. You'll
0: come. <laughs> this is gotta get a sub. Okay,
1: so Eric Eric is coming to Minneapolis in December. And we yes. will I will actually I will absolutely be coming to meet him and and we will get a meal. Uh, but awesome. I'm also willing to visit Athens, Georgia. I've I've had some great food in Georgia. Like my brother went to college in Savannah and Oh yeah, amazing. currently lives in Atlanta. And every time I've been there, I've had great food. Um, is Athens near the coast?
2: No, no. And the, no. The, Savannah is actually one of the closest beaches, which is like six hours away.
0: Okay. Oh man. It's okay. that far from the coast. That's right. I forget.
2: I know yeah. it's weird. My geography is horrible. I just know that that's how long it took GPS to <laughs> take us to Savannah.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> All well, right. Brett, I think that sounds like an exciting, uh, what? It sounds like a year you're going to have uh, yeah. going places and eating food. I, I'm,
1: I'm going to keep saving up money. I'm, I'm going to try not to dip too far into my savings to do this. <laughs> uh, but flying is expensive these days. Yes, it is. Um, even trains are expensive these days. So I got to kind of got to kind of figure out the best way to stretch my budget to eat the best food possible without, you know, <laughs> digging into my, my retirement fund, I guess.
0: <laughs> Brett, can I do a pre-graptitude, gratitude? Yeah, it's to you. Um, I have finally started creating how's it build notes in all of my repositories yeah. Um, and in a few other places on my computer. And it's all been part of this effort. It, Brett knows this well that I've had this kind of. It's almost like a nervous twitch that causes me to clean install my computer (laughs) once every couple few months. (laughs) Um, And usually what happens is I I just, I don't know what it is. I like going through the process of just kind of building things back up. I usually build some new system in the process, whatever, but it's very destructive overall um, to do this. And I think, and I believe connected to my now medicated bipolar. Um, so I haven't, this one was totally different, right? So I did the like, the reinstall, but I'm building everything so mindfully. So Brett has this, I don't know, called a utility, which called a tool. command line a tool. utility, a, a tool, t-tool. a TT tool. Um, called How's It? And it's just, you know, classic Brett style. It's a plain text file that you put into some repository that involves you, you know, like say, I, I imagine it like this. It's a, it's, a, it's a folder, it's a project that I, I, I go to maybe every few months, and every time I go to it, I have to remember some sequence of events uh, to kind of get it running again, especially with the repository. You know, I got to make sure the environment is ready, and have I, do I have everything installed that needs to be installed, and have I configured you know, where I need to configure, and that can really, really freeze me up when it comes time to revisit um, a project, especially something like that lives in a repository, something that's sort of code based and command-based, that kind of thing. And so this time, Brett, when I rebuilt my system, I just paused everything once I had all my repos in and, you know, I had successfully kind of gone through, you know, I, I have web scrapers that run for my investigative work and stuff like that. So I kind of touched everything and then I was like, all right, no further. I'm writing a house it file for each of these so that the next time I blow up my computer system, if I decide to, I can at least get to this point very quickly. Yes. Um, And generally what I'm doing, because I don't believe that I can stop myself from wanting to (laughs) clean install my computer. I don't know what it is. Uh, I've decided instead to just make sure that as I rebuild it, every time I sort of systematize it so that I kind of defeat um, this part of me that wants to just like knock all the Legos over. You know, yeah. and and I can just kind of build it back yeah. up uh, again as needed. And then assuming that I can beat this thing where I'm constantly, you know, knocking the Legos over, it just becomes useful and meaningful because it will be three months between touching a certain repository or whatever. Yeah. So the ability to have through a text file, create a sort of interaction, which is like, what part do you want to do? Do you want to set the environment? Do you want to run the script? Do you want to clean up after the script? Like it's just been, Brett, it's been amazing. And so thank you for that tool as always.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The time, the time that I write the most build notes is that first time I come after three months and touch a project and cannot remember how how it works. And, and immediately I'll figure it out. And as I figure it out, I'll document it in a build notes file for how's it in the future. But yeah, like you have to, you have to forget once before you you realize how important it is to document. And then in the process of figuring it back out, you document what you
0: figured out and then you never have to do it again. Yep. Yeah, and it's nice because like my process is I, I open up a build file and I just make a bulleted list of everything I needed to do, and then I just start writing it in your incredibly simple syntax. Um, it's beautiful. So I'm thank glad you.
1: I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear it's serving someone else as well as it
2: served me.
0: Oh my god, how's it? I love it. That's my deal.
2: It's like do- two standard deviations above my comprehension. The markdown tools, <laughs> Brett's markdown tools, are about yes. my my speed. Yes. Yes. No, I I relate to that. Like I've
0: only in the last year, uh, is this something that I'm even able to handle? You know what I mean? Like so, I've always like grokked Brett's tools, but been like, <laughs> uh, I wish I was doing the kind of project where I could use that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but slowly but surely, I'm getting there.
1: <laughs> should we uh, Should we segue into gratitude? Absolutely. First, we have another sponsor. Oh, we do? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. You make a little joke. I'm just making this up. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Atheist Judaism. <laughs> mm.
2: <laughs> I have found... There's another joke in there. It, something will come to me.
1: Do you believe in God?
0: No? <laughs> Try Atheist Judaism. <laughs> you know, in my world of... You know, my wife went to seminary, so lots of friends who became pastors and and the like. Um, and then I come from sort of Minneapolis punk rock, so a lot of atheists in the in the house. I I'm going to make an an observation that I don't think is all that um, wild, but it, it, I was thinking about it as you were speaking with Eric Brett about atheists in the congregation. Is that in my experience? If I am sitting with an atheist, I feel far further from that person who is, you know, maybe preaching in a pulpit than I do from from the atheist if I'm sitting next to the preacher of the pulpit. Um, I, I think that sometimes the, the construct of atheism, which can be, I think, sometimes in some cases very protective in nature, right? Especially if you've had religious trauma, and I am not saying this is what happened to you. I don't know, right? But I think it can sometimes make it feel that there's a thicker wall than there is and i say that as somebody who is not any more comfortable saying i believe in god than i am saying i don't believe in god so i'm not coming i'm coming literally i find myself in the middle of atheists and 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 believers of some form or another all the time and that's how it always feels it just feels like sometimes the wall is a little higher because my friends who are atheists and it had it, they got to it at, at, after much harm Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And and so they've built this fortress called atheism that is fully understandable. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is like
1: my initial like atheism absolutely was a protection uh, it when it started for me. Like basically this this idea of God has hurt me enough, has caused me enough uh, pain in my life that I refuse to believe in it and over time it has become a far more intellectual thing um like i i refuse to believe without evidence and and for fantastic claims you need fantastic evidence and and it has become more it has become more scholarly but yeah absolutely it was it was a defense mechanism at first and Uh, In the process, like over the years, I have found great connection with people like Eric uh, and as well as like even Baptist preachers, uh, like every kind of denomination, the clergy are the people who have actually questioned this shit and and have have come up with their own answers and their own justifications for believing and I have always been able to have a conversation with clergy in a way that I cannot with the average parishioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's it's a, like, I, I can't connect with someone unless they have truly questioned the existence of God, uh, the validity of religion. and And if they have, and they have come to their own conclusions, I'm in. Let's talk let's, let's, we don't have to debate. Like, you're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change your mind, but let's talk about experiences. And that's always been fruitful for me.
2: And, you know, I've so much to say about this it would be, I guess it would be weird if I didn't. Right. But, you know, the first thing is, you know, Jeff, what, what you really beautifully describe, it reminds me of, you know, in many ways that, The power that clergy has, and in many ways destructive. I mean, I, I hear stories from people who want to convert to Judaism. You know, oftentimes it's it's purely from a theological kind of um, intellectual spiritual place, but uh, but other times it is from, you know, they came out as gay and got kicked out of the church, or you know, all things like that, Um, and so. I wouldn't say it was a motivating factor in me becoming a rabbi because thankfully I, I did have positive experiences. I mean, certainly nothing traumatic. Um, But I'm reminded of that all of the time of kind of the power of clergy, especially with younger people Mm -hmm. and things like that. The other thing too, I think about a lot with atheism is, you know, for me, this kind of litmus test, I think of the movie contact, you know, when Jodie Foster Mm -hmm. is not allowed because she doesn't believe in God. Like, yeah, First, like you have to define God to even make it a meaningful question. Like to say, I believe in God and be like, oh, thank goodness they believe in God. Like, What does that even mean?
1: Yeah. Who's God?
2: Yeah. And, you know, something I do with kids a lot and frankly, adults too, is I ask the question, what kind of God do you believe in and what kind of God don't you believe in? Because when I talk to people that you know will describe themselves as atheists or diehard atheists or something like that, I'll say, "Well, what kind of God don't you believe in?" And more often than not, that's the same kind of God I don't believe in. And then mm. the, and then um, the the last thing I'll say is, you know, I I respect Richard Dawkins a lot. I, I read a lot of you know some of his science books before he became kind of this. The, you know, the atheist spokesperson spoke poster so to boy, speak. yeah. But you know, I I call this new crop of atheists, and this might be a little bit tongue in cheek, but angry atheists, right? And Brett, I don't yeah. see you as an angry atheist. And I, not... as a matter of fact, I didn't coin this term. I, I heard uh, Jennifer Michael Hecht, who's an incredible poet and author, use oh, yeah. it. Um, you know, like, you can be a spiritual atheist w- without even question. Like, I don't think that. I don't describe myself that way, but I absolutely think one can be and one can find joy in religion and meaning in religion. And again, that that separation sometimes of religion and God and, you know, Judaism specifically, there's a uh, without giving a full blown sermon right now that in the Talmud, there's this quote that's attributed to God that says better. They follow my laws than than believe in me. And it's like, mm. that says it right there. And it's, mm. you know, it's the it, it's a little bit of a gross metaphor, but there is some truth in it. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist of, you yeah. know, Christianity is a religion of creed, whereas Judaism is a religion of deed. Again, th- there's so much to unpack yeah. there, but there's something to it.
1: So yeah. to, to any atheist of my ilk is technically an agnostic. Um, we we require evidence. Uh, we we are willing to change our opinions based on evidence. We cannot disprove the existence of God. We just cannot prove the existence of God. So we refuse to accept what we cannot prove, but we do not discount the idea that if the correct evidence were presented, we might believe in a God. Whether we worship that God is you know, a question that remains to be seen. It depends on The qualities of that God, but we are, we are technically uh, agnostic and we're not angry atheists. We are simply people who require uh, fantastic evidence for fantastic claims. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: There's a... I don't normally just pull out Jewish theologian quotes, but there happens to be one that I that I've loved forever from Abraham Joshua Heschel, and it's the the high, something that like the higher point of spiritual living is not to amass a wealth of information, but to face sacred moments. And I love that because it for me that pulls me right out of the muck of like. Of my own muck of what is God and what is, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of like that, that idea of like recentering yourself around sacred moments and whatever that similar to you, Eric, like you define it, you define what a sacred, you know, for yourself, you define what a sacred moment is. And I like that as a sort of, I like those kinds of, um, those kinds of invitations into the in-between spaces.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And Heschel's very good. Uh, For anyone listening, he's eminently readable, whether you're Jewish or not, whatever your belief system is. And yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that book was The
2: Sabbath, I think. Yeah, that, I, I would know. imagine it is, Yeah, which yeah. is very, also very short. Which yeah. Is, yeah,
0: I know exactly, right? That's why it's the one I know. I mean, the, yeah. the, the great thing about my wife being both a therapist and having gone to seminary is she leaves great books laying around. <laughs> I love that.
1: I think you found the episode title, Invitations to the In-Between. <laughs> that's
0: right, that's right.
2: Also a good well, band name. That is a good band <laughs> name, actually, yeah. we'll Put that one
1: in the notebook.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, graptitude. Who wants to go
1: first? I'll go first. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Mailmate. So yes. there are so many email programs out there these days. Uh, you got your airmail and you got your Spark and you got like every possible, and there so many of them are beautiful. They're just like aesthetic pleasures to use. But if you want actual power. If you want actual smart folders, if you want actual filters, if you want actual keyboard shortcuts that are truly configurable, Mailmate is the way to go. And I am not only an owner of Mailmate, like I paid the one-time fee But I enjoy it so much that I became a Mailmate patron and pay a monthly subscription fee. In addition, you can purchase it one time and you own it and and you can actually use it for free without purchasing it. It he has very lax standards as to what a supporter is. Uh, But I am all in on Mailmate and and I pay I pay monthly uh, just to support the power. It's not pretty. It's not a pretty application. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's very much like if you imagine a Java app from like uh, maybe 2015, uh, it kind of it's feels prettier like that. Than that. It's prettier it, than that. It no. is. It's not a Java app. <laughs> it is, it, it uses all, it's, it's a Cocoa app. But, uh, but if you are, you know, into the airmail kind of aesthetic, you're not going to be pleased right. with it. Um Right. But, but like the trade off for the power it provides, the kind of smart mailboxes you can set up using this app, the kind of filtering you can set up is above and beyond any other email application available. So my pick is Mailmate.
2: I'm trying to open their webpage and it's hanging. Maybe so is everybody else. (laughs) It's that Java. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: Two things I really love about Mailmate as a user. One is just an instant thing you notice by accident, which is if you click on a subject um, in an email uh, in just the list of emails, it will immediately pop up a a sub sort of folder of all of the emails with that. subject line. And same if you, if you just like double click on a person's name, you just get all their emails. It's like, it's really, it's a really fast way to kind of get through the muck. And the other thing I do, which may make people choke out there is about once a year, I go through and Mailmate has a way that I can just download all attachments from all mail yeah. and I put it into a folder. that's very clearly labeled all attachments. And I have found that that has saved me so many times when uh-huh. I'm like trying to come up with something at the, I knew was in my email like six months ago, you know, but I'm not quick enough in a meeting to search it. I can, I, I can and, count on this weird folder that I should just a- have not indexed, you know? Right. And it, it doesn't has
1: extensions it has bundles like if you if you were ever a textmate user you're familiar with bundles and it has it has a whole bundle architecture i built my own plus it has integrations with like atom busycal calendar eel filer fantastical lighthouse macvim sublime omnifocus pigments uh, for syntax <laughs> highlighting uh, VS Code, like it can do it. It integrates with everything, and it's it's so much fun.
2: And it doesn't bother you that it's not on iOS.
1: Um, so I use Spark yes. on iOS. It <laughs> Without a Spark keyboard, <laughs> right?
2: So I don't. <laughs> oh, use Jeff, I- Brett, I- and I had this whole text <laughs> chain. Spark doesn't autocomplete email addresses if you're using a keyboard with oh iOS. Oh my god.
1: Like you have to tap it's, the screen. It's wow. it's not ideal. Wow. <laughs> but I don't use a keyboard with iOS. Like I barely use my iPad. Um. I I need the spark on iOS. I can I can with a little finagling integrate it with the way that I use uh MailMate on my Mac, and and it suits my purposes. If I were primarily an iOS person it would be a lot more grading, but iOS is kind of an afterthought for me. Um, I'm, I'm mostly Mac and I do most of my correspondence on Mac and, and, and that's mailmate fits the bill. If, if you are an iOS heavy person and you do most of your correspondence on iOS mailmate is probably not for you. And you're better off getting into an ecosystem like spark or AirMail, uh,
2: something that, I've been begrudgingly better. using airmail. Very begrudgingly. You have.
0: You have, yeah. I have, I used it a long time ago, but I haven't tried it again. But
2: I really want to switch to something, but I I there's nothing. And in there's Apple a... Mail doesn't work for me either, even with the latest upgrades in iOS 16. Yeah. I'm not it's like there's there... everything and there's nothing.
1: There, <laughs> yeah? There's an iOS uh Prezide. Have you seen Preside? No. It is a very it's it's an iOS version of MailMate. Uh, totally different. Like, I just mean, it, as
0: far as like severity of aesthetic goes, <laughs> Is that, that's the new bar. I am looking <laughs> for severity of aesthetic, <laughs> but but it
1: offers it offers a lot of like uh, extra power that you don't get from other apps. But it doesn't Got work it. with my Outlook three hundred and sixty account that I need for work, so I haven't gotten into it. Painful. But totally I will lyric. add it. I will add it as a subtopic. Sure. In the show notes. Anyway, hey, you want okay. My- that's me. Yeah.
2: Mine's boring, but it's what I've been spending most of my time in. It's PDF Expert by, is it Riedel, oh, the yes. pronunciation? Not Riedle. Boring. Riedle. Not boring. Yeah. Um, and I also like, they're from Ukraine, and I just kind of appreciate their messaging the past few months and everything. Yes. And Um, Even though Spark frustrates me, PDF expert, you know, for the high holidays, it's a combination of we have a choir, we have a cantorial soloist, I have announcements, I have page numbers, I have readers, and I just took a photocopy of every page of the prayer book. It's it's a scanned PDF. It's in there. I use my Apple Pencil on my iPad. I'm writing it up, who's reading what. And it just, it makes me feel so much more at ease about the services coming up, and you know, I imagine there's so many use cases where, you know, people having a PDF and being able to insert notes and things is just super useful. And,
0: yeah, it's great. It's so great. You can export your notes, like whatever you have highlighted. And uh, Yeah, I've used it forever. I love it. It is boring. It's it's the
2: best kind of boring. It's like, That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just is really sturdy, hardy. Dependable.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I even bought the the Mac one, which is I mean, it's expensive. It was like I just did the same. I just did the same.
0: Yeah, it is expensive.
2: But (laughs) yeah, and you know, I love that it it you know goes right into iCloud, everything's synced. It's yeah.
0: Yes, definitely. Man, that's awesome. Um, mine is a command line utility called Grex G-R-E-X. It is for regular expressions, which is not something I'm good with. Um, But because I deal with a lot of data and a lot of like bulk text files in my investigative work, um, I always am looking for ways into the data. (laughs) And what's cool about this, and I haven't found anything else or I haven't encountered anything else that does it. So basically, if I wanted to to borrow the band name Seagulls Screaming Kiss Her Kiss Her, (laughs) if I wanted to come up with the regex kind of statement that would capture both that one and flock of seagulls. I would put those two things in quotes uh, and just write GREX at the beginning of the command, and it would show me what re- what regular expression would capture both of those things. So if I also wanted to put, you know, I have a name, I have like a hyphenated last name. Sometimes it's Jeff Severns Gunsel, sometimes Jeff Gunsel, sometimes Jeffrey Gunsel. If I wanted to make sure I caught all of those, I would just type them on the command line with GREX at the top, and uh, and it would actually feed out what the regular expression is that I would need. Now, as Brett knows. It doesn't always get me all the way because I sometimes part of my contracting with Brett is like 10 minute uh, regular expressions challenges. (laughs) So it doesn't always get me all the way there, but it's just, it's a fun thing actually just to play with and, and helps me a little bit to understand regular expressions better. So G R E X, you can, you can brew, install it from homebrew. If that's your, if that's your, uh, it's, it's, it's a,
1: it's a great way to start. Um, yeah, like if you if you know a little bit about regex, you can take the patterns that it gives you and really make them truly flexible. like it's yep. great it's great at matching exactly the pattern or like the text you give it, yes, uh, but if you want to expand it to match uh a more flexible pattern, you need to know a little bit, but yep. yeah it's a it's a good it's a great yeah for
0: for me what i can do here's the here's the actual order i can i can start there then i take it into there's a couple of web web apps that you can use there's something called expressions as a mac app that you can use to like put in text and then above it type in your regex to see if it captures it so it's going the other direction and so like i can go from there to a thing where i'm kind of tweaking it to try to capture text that i put in and then from there i go to brett
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm sadly, realized- Brett's not downloadable as part of a homebrew install. Yeah. not yeah, but- yet. Anyway, <laughs>
0: this week, yeah, brew install Brett Terpstra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, this past week, I must have spent an hour and a half on this stupid thing, and finally, I'm like, why am I? I'm like, I build by the hour, you know. I'm like, I should just really give it to the guy that can do it in ten minutes. <laughs> so anyway,
2: and you know, name. I I'm like a one on a one to ten scale of but uh, of expressions but you know people yeah. don't non-programmers don't realize like you're searching email or you know brett turned me on to who to spot to find files Ugh, on my mac who to spot so like, like so grex might be up my alley i had not heard yeah. of that but i it, it
0: that's like for me i'm like you like and in that i'm 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 zero to one at this but it's like i i know what it can do that's like <laughs> that's that's the first yeah. step of being
2: dangerous is knowing right. what it can do <laughs> so true anyway this was super fun. Yeah, thank you yeah. guys so much. I, I hope Christine is feeling better, but uh, I really yeah. appreciate uh, being on here.
1: Yeah, yeah it's good. It's, it's good been a blast. We'll have you good back.
0: Have you.
2: I would love yep. it. And uh, right. Jeff, we're gonna have to change a uh, plate or trade PlayStation gamer tags. And uh, yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. That, that sounds good.
1: <laughs> awesome, Eric, Eric. Do you know how we close out?
2: I don't remember. All right. <laughs> because just, I, I have too much high holiday
1: on the brain just play along you ready i'm ready get some sleep guys get some
0: sleep
2: <laughs> the system is going down low
0: hey there good people before you go we have a bunch of new places where you can interact with us please check out our instagram feed our youtube channel twitter of course and sign up for the overtired newsletter, which will sort of pick up where the show leaves off with expanded show notes, uh, a little bit of what the three of us get up to between episodes and let's face it, there'll be some musings. How can you resist musings? You'll find details for all the ways to interact with us in the show notes and at overtired.com and thank you. Thank you. Thank you as always for listening.